Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. If you're a visitor today, we hope you'll make note of it in our register. We want you to know that we have restrooms in the back. If you have children with you today, they can come forward for the children's sermon if they like. They can go to children's church if they like, and they'll be uh, returned to you uh, after the service. Um, I'm going to call up Katie Jeter. We've got a, um, we've got a number of things today, and we're going to try to go through it quickly. While Katie's coming up, I will tell you that... Uh, We've got classes to explore membership sign up for the next couple weeks. This is not a if you sign up then uh, you are a member for the next 50 years. This is a um, I'm interested in seeing what membership at Memorial is like. If you would like to know the answer to that question, I want you to put your name in the register and put out from it membership class. Um, we'll we'll um, all combine together. We'll collaborate on our schedules to make sure it suits everyone's schedule. We'll learn more about the United Methodist Church and about Memorial in particular, and um, the class will um, move through the talks together and all join the church together at the same time should they want to join the church uh, celebrating in both services. So if you would like to do that, please indicate that on the attendance register. Good morning. I'm Katie Jeter, and I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Memorial. And I want to make sure you know that the pumpkin patch is coming back this year. Last year was our first year to have a pumpkin patch, and it was successful and fun, so we're going to do it again this year. But we need your help. The pumpkins will arrive on Wednesday, October 7th, prior to our Wednesday supper. So we're going to need help that afternoon unloading. And then you'll see on some sign-up sheets as you enter the Family Life Center, we'll be open on weekdays from 4 to 6 and on Saturdays from 10 to 4. So you'll see some sign-ups, and I hope you'll stop by and help us out when you can. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. I'm going to call up Sylvia Dobson and uh, Lori for our um, good news of the week. Sylvia and her group, uh, the CEP, um, uh, Child Enrichment Program, uh, which is uh, the um, K through little guys, babies through uh, kindergarten. School in our church has had a long, uh, great history. Um, Sylvia has worked for a long time this year with her team to totally revamp the um, program and the guidebook for both teachers and parents. And the other thing that her group has been working on is who are they going to hire to be the full-time director? And so our good news of the week this week is that Lori Gibson has been hired as our full-time director of the program. Lori has been uh, on the job about as long as I have, and we've been equally feisty in our positions trying to shape everything up. If you look, uh, teachers, uh, stand up for me. CEP teachers. Lori has uh, gotten a number of our CEP teachers uh, shifted in their rooms that they want. She's hired new teachers. She's got two teachers in every classroom. She's got, um, she had a great orientation. We've worked on um, having chapel uh, with the kids, done a number of uh, great things, and uh, also a new playground in the back. And so um, we will hope that uh, teachers will come and support you in your efforts because you've been so sub um, supportive of them. So um, one more round of applause for uh, Thank you. Sylvia has uh, done any number of things for the CEP this year, and uh, we're grateful for that. Um, as the last point, I want you to turn in the part of your bulletin that has attendance at the top of it. 
I want you to know um, a couple things. This is uh, my 99th day. So they talk about the first 100 days in office. And uh, there's been a, number of, been a number of positive things already. A number were pre-existing. You have a great um, campus. You have great facilities. You have great leaders throughout the week and also in your worship services. You have two drastically different dynamic services that are what they should be. Um, You've got uh, you proximity to downtown on Main Street and also a town that uh, looks to be growing dramatically in the years to come. We really only have one weakness currently. I want you to look at re uh, the financial report, received for the budget and needed for the budget. This is one of the first times that I've been here that we have exceeded that number. Okay, for a long, long time, um, we've been under that number. And so we're, uh, our attendance is going up, our worship attendance is going up, our Sunday night stuff is going up, Sunday school is going up, we're getting a great response. And the financial number is coming up as uh, it's, it's always slower. So I want you to know that um, Kevin Duncan is our finance chair. He's also got a group uh, that is a subcommittee of our finance committee. And that group is looking at how are we going to navigate the remainder of the year given what we've done to this point. We think we're fine from this point on, but up to this point, we're going to work on a solution. Um, so those groups are going to come speak to your Sunday school classes over the next two weeks. Get every question that you have about where we are and how we're doing. And then we're going to have two large group sessions where we give you a report, what we're going to do, and how we're going to do it. Because this is the only thing left for us to be uh, uh, really poised for strength uh, for the future. So I hope you will attend Sunday school next week. If you are not in Sunday school class, I'll be uh, talking to you after the worship services. I hope you'll, when you see that group announcement, that you'll come to that meeting, at least one uh, from your family to make sure you understand that. Um, with all that being said, let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
Let us pray. Gracious God, the world around us pulls on us in every single way and needs things, asks for things, exhausts us, burdens us, presses us to our very limits. But you have called us to this place to draw us together, to hear your word proclaimed for us this day. Help us to calm our hearts and minds and open them both to you in our songs, in our prayers, in our scripture, in our proclamation. Let us proclaim your name this morning, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand for our hymn as you are able, number 540. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. The children will come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. Hi. Okay. Um, something really special happened this week about the seasons. Does anybody know what happened? Yes. They changed from summer to fall. Well, what happens in the fall? Leaves turn colors. They do. They turn colors. And what do they do from the tree? There you go. They fall. Well, when I see the leaves, I think about the cross. Because when Jesus died on the cross for us, he helped us rise from our fall. There's a different meaning for the word fall. It's not when you fall down and skin your knee. It's when you do something that you probably shouldn't do, like um, if you tell something that's not true, or if you don't obey your parents, or if you say something bad about somebody. That, that causes you to fall spiritually. And Jesus died on the cross to help us get up from our fall. So if you ask for forgiveness, then you have risen from your fall. So every time I see the leaves falling down, I think of the cross. And that's what I want you to think about, too. So I'm going to give you one of these to take home today. But let me go to the scripture. I'm reading from um, Matthew 6, verse 14. It says, Your heavenly Father will forgive you if you forgive those who sin against you. That means that if you forgive people for doing bad things to you, God will forgive you. But you have to ask for forgiveness, too. And today the choir is going to sing a song called Standing in the Need of Prayer. We all are in the need of prayer. And if you just pray and you just ask God to forgive you, He will. So let's bow our heads and say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us Jesus Christ who died on the cross so that we can get up from our fall. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first scripture lesson this morning is going to come from Psalm 84, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 10. And it's on pages 922 and 923 in your pew Bible. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Verse 8. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
All right. Anybody tapping their foot? Watch it. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray to you individually and corporately because we know that you are listening. When the bodies of our loved ones, our friends, our co-workers experience difficulty because we are frail human beings, we call out to you. When we have transition in our home, in our school, in our workplace, we call out to you. When we experience a broken relationship, we call out to you because we know that you are anxiously listening. As we read a prayer this morning, Lord, of two entirely different prayers made by two entirely different people, help us to see ourselves in both, to understand fully the prayer that your Son taught us, and to know the power of prayer throughout the week outside of Sunday morning worship. Teach us, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time to pass our offering for your tithes and other offerings. And if you'll pass the attendance sheet, and if you're interested in our exploring membership class, please put your name and indicate a way to contact you.
standing for our hymn. Please be seated. I want you to know that if you have difficulty hearing, I print off uh, copies of my outline. I don't have a manuscript, but you can stay close to what I'm saying with an outline, and those outlines are printed in there in the back. You can grab one on the way in the door. And if you would like an outline autographed after the service... <laughs> I'm accustomed to that sort of thing. I get it. Be, be happy to do that. Let's start with a quote of the day. And this is from our book that we're reading for um, these two months, The Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. These are five things that any church, no matter their size, if they are doing these five things, then they are impacting the community and they are a vital church. Those being um, radical hospitality, which we've talked about. Passionate worship is our subject today. 
risk-taking mission and service to the community, which we will be talking about. Um, uh, extravagant giving to uh, both the church and to the community. And there's one more. I'll think of it by the end. But today we're talking about passion and worship. Intentional faith development. <laughs> Stuff that we do in between Sundays, classes that we have. Passionate worship. From the earliest accounts of faith, people gathered to pray, sing, listen for God's word, and to share in the common meal. The word synagogue means to bring together. And the Greek word for church, ecclesia, means to call out of the world and refers to the calling of people from their ordinary life to gather together in a sacred time and a sacred space. So last week I mentioned how much I've focused on a particular formula in the last eight years trying to build the perfect worship service. I've thought, what's the best time to have a worship service? What's the best order of the things that are going to happen and what things should they be? What's the best style of worship? Because there are styles within styles. There's all kinds of traditional services and there's all kinds of contemporary services. What's the best way to use the leadership of your church in your worship services? And what's the best way to organize your space for worship? I've obsessed about these things in ways that uh, probably go beyond what I should have in the last eight years trying to think, what is the perfect worship service for people. Of course, from that quote, did you hear any of those five things? I didn't mention any of them. Not one. None of these items are mentioned in the quotes, but two words are. The Greek word ecclesia, which means called out of the world. Called out of that world that is after us every single waking moment. And the image that I have when I think about that is a timeout in sports. And um, I've coached many teams in two different sports, primarily t-ball and basketball. And we might spend an hour talking about three different concepts that we want to try to pull off on Saturday. And then we get to Saturday and there's another team across the court and they've got a plan and they might have a big person and then we forget everything that we've ever thought of or talked about. And so I have to say time out, time out, time out. Two, three minutes again in the game, I say time out, come, come over here. You remember when I said that you were here and you were here and you were here? Okay, that means you actually have to go there. <laughs> Regardless of what happens or the people who are there. And in that time out, you say, okay, let's... Let's recalibrate our minds. Let's focus on what we're talking about. Let's make sure we practice the fundamentals. There's re something really important that you need to emphasize. And so when you're talking about being called out of the world into this place, we're hopefully putting our cell phones down. We don't have tablets or computers. We don't have the phone ringing at our home. We're coming here to say, okay, I gave it a shot last week, the thing that we talked about last Sunday, but somewhere around 10 o'clock on Monday, I really struggled with it. Because there's this person, and every time I see this person, I just lose my mind. I lose my mind and don't do the thing that we were talking about. So Ecclesia is called out of the world to a place where we can refocus our purpose. The Greek word synagogue means to draw us together. 
knowing that we have strength in our group. So there's two types of worship spaces you hear about all the time in the Old Testament and even the New Testament, the temple and the synagogue. The temple, there's only one. It's in, it was in Jerusalem on a particular spot. And there was one and it was destroyed and they built another one and that one was destroyed. And right now there's a mosque there. And the hope of the Jewish people is that they will one day have a temple on that spot again. It would be the third temple. And they actually have enormous structures already ready should they ever have that temple there again. Some of which are out for uh, public viewing, like an enormous snow globe of a menorah, except it's you know, this thick and you couldn't do anything to it. You couldn't harm it. The temple is this one place in this one location that you may get to once in your life. When you hear the word synagogue, this is your local place in your town. It's where you see the people that you would normally see. It's where you can go quite frequently and may be far less formal than the temple, but a worship space all, uh, uh, as well. So strengthen the knowledge that we're in this together. Those two things. And finding a purpose being called out of the world that's pulling on us. With those two things in mind, let's look at our scripture for the day. It has to do with two people praying. And it is found on page 1628 in your pew Bible. Luke 18, starting with verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now, that's not a good start. Okay? That's two really tough things. And if they were the thing that started off right, in the, right off the bat, the coach would call the time and I would say, whoa. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told a parable. Now, generally speaking, he will tell a parable when he's been asked a question. That question is the number one priority of that person. But Jesus, when he tells a parable, is intending to totally recalibrate what they think so that they won't even ask that question. They ask a different question. But in this case, Jesus has in mind those who are confident of their own righteousness don't need any help. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So lines are instantly drawn. And when lines are drawn, people typically make a choice. And when people make a choice, they typically get very emotional about that choice. At one point in time, they thought about it a little bit. And they may continue to think, but they're also very emotional about this choice that they've made. And they're very emotional about the people who are on the other side of this choice. So, Pharisee, one of the uh, um, academic theological leaders of the age, tax collector, this person has been charged of knowing the community, knowing their neighbors, knowing how much money they have, having spent 15, 20 years living next to them, and then saying to the Roman government, this is how much you can get them for. 40% of their annual income would be about this. Verse 11, The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, 
God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. That's his prayer. First impression. This person is a religious snob. This person is uh, got a scoreboard going and thinks that he is running up the score. This person is um, sort of praying to God and sort of thanking God, but mostly saying, you know what, I'm pretty amazing and I'm just grateful for it. Y'all ever pray that prayer? You might not ever pray it, but I bet you think it. You know, I'm pretty amazing. Especially in comparison to this clown, the tax collector. But if you look deeper past your first impression of him being a religious snob, you have to notice that he doesn't take from anyone. That's, I mean, that's what those people are doing. Those are the people that are listed. They're taking from people. He says, not only do I not take from people, I give generously. So if you were picking people to be in your group, this might be one of the first guys you would pick. He doesn't take advantage of people. He doesn't take what's not his. And not only that, he gives generously. Verse 13. The tax collector stood at a distance. He did not even want to look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. First impression. He's humble. And he's seeking holiness. This is our guy. We like humble people. We like broken people who want to pick themselves up. But if you look deeper, he's taken a lot from his neighbors and his fellow countrymen. You think if you knew your neighbor, now as a, as a Methodist minister, we've moved a great deal. But a lot of the people that we've moved next door to have lived there for decades. And the people across from them have lived there for decades. And they've watched their children grow up or they've uh, had their children over and given them uh, a treat or they've done Halloween or, you know, remember that tree fell down that year and we, uh, we you know, you had a chainsaw and we cut it up. All of a sudden, there's an occupying government and all of a sudden that occupying government says, hey, you know who knows these people the best? Their neighbor. And he has said, I'm going to need uh, 40, 45, 50% of your income and um, I'm going to get a piece of it and I'm going to spend it on extravagant things while you suffer. He's taken nearly everything from people and he was their neighbor. Verse 14 says, I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. First impression. This is an open and shut case. One is arrogant and one is humble. And one is right. And that person's like me. So I'm right. Because I'm awfully humble. Lord, I celebrate how humble I am. Aren't I amazing? <laughs> Let's go deeper. In celebrating the tax collector and judging the Pharisee, we are all essentially saying, you know what, I may be a lot of things, but at least I'm not this clown. The Pharisee, 
I may have a lot of faults, but this guy thinks he's better than everybody. Of course, when you figure, when you're upset about someone being better than you, what's the underlying understanding? When I'm obviously better than them, you wouldn't be upset about it otherwise. Anytime we gather, we size ourselves up. We really do. In, in, in family, at Thanksgiving, you know, how we're doing. In the workplace, how we're doing against our peers. In the community, how we're doing. In the church, how we're doing. The latest example I've experienced of this is um, meeting at the chamber with the other 29 candidates for leadership Greer, and these, I mean, these are major leaders in the community, many of which have been here a long time, and I'm thinking, wow, am I, am I smart enough to be in this crew? Do I know what I'm doing enough to be in this group? And you start looking around, and you see what they say, you see what they do, and you're measuring yourself against them constantly. Why? Because it's part of the human condition. And the number one reason you're evaluating them is to compare yourself against them and to see how you fare. But how is the Pharisee's prayer different than the Lord's prayer? God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. Of course, our prayer from the tax collector's side would be, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people, like this guy. Look at your bulletin. Look at the Lord's Prayer. Those prayers that we were praying is about our action and the inaction of our peers. The Lord's Prayer is about God's action, which precedes anything that we've ever done. When he says he went home justified, there's three key words, three things that are going to pop up, three words that you're going to hear from me the rest of our time together. And there are three different types of grace. The first one is provenient grace. This means God loves us before we've ever done a thing. Before we've responded, God loves us and is working in our lives. This is why we baptize what? This is why we baptize babies. Because we say God is already working in your life. Your family is going to surround you and support you. Your church is going to support that effort. The second one is justifying. Because though God is working in our lives and doing stuff for us, we have the full ability to do what with that love? We can reject it. Human beings have the ability to reject anything. Have you ever tried to love someone and they rejected you? Have you ever rejected the love of another person? then you understand the human capability of rejecting God's love. But when we accept it, we are justified in the eyes of God. And then you go to one more point. And it's a all-your-life point, which is what's called sanctifying grace. It means that I am going to try to live my life according to the love of God because God has already loved me. Not in order for God to love me. That is such a drastic difference. I already love you. And in that love, I want you to go out and act in that love. So either one of those guys would do really well to hear the Lord's Prayer, as would we. Here's a second quote from the book. Among the competing interpretive contexts in which people are immersed in this life, here they are, fierce individualism, 
consumerism, intense nationalism, political partisanship, hopeless negativism, naive optimism. What's something on your computer, on your phone, where you can capture all five of those in under five minutes? Facebook. Facebook will give you every one of those in under five minutes. Now, we had plenty of those in our social lives before there were ever uh, computers or the internet. But it has the potential to make it worse. And what's worse than many of the posts on social media, in terms of all these things, individualism, consumerism, nationalism, partisanship, negativism, is the comments under the posts. They get exponentially worse. As people see, I couldn't see how, how much more wrong you could be. And I'm going to declare it. Well, guess what? I'm going to declare it back. There's 150 posts, 150 comments. Among the competing interpretive contexts in which people are immersed, worship helps people perceive themselves, their world, their relationships, and their responsibilities in ways that include God's love in Christ. So here's what I hope worship can be for us here at Memorial. I hope it can be a place where we can call you out of the world. We can draw you together. We can set aside those things that divide us. We can learn about God's already acting, living love in our lives. We can respond to it. And we can go out on Monday and try again. And maybe we make it to Tuesday. Maybe we make it to Wednesday. Maybe we start over again on Monday. But we're going to gather together again and again and separate ourselves and learn about God's love for us in our lives. Let us pray. Lord, as we judge the Pharisee, help us to understand that we are broken as well and in need of your action. As we judge the tax collector, help us to understand that we are broken as well and are in desperate need of your love. Help us to pray as your son taught us to pray, celebrating you, honoring your action, understanding our part in this world, and bringing about the kingdom of God on this earth. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our final hymn, number 398.
Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.